starting at verse 11. And as you all with your Bibles are turning there, I would ask that you would join me in a brief word of prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, uh, I don't have a long prayer here. Not One is not necessary. Just lift up this time of the preaching of the word to you, Lord. Uh, Lord, by your grace, this vessel is being used to share your word. And I pray, Lord, that the word goes unhindered into the hearts of your people. They will be uh, adequately fed the truth of your word with the heart and mind to be doers of your word, that they might bear fruit unto you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the main passage is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, I have a verse that I want to share as a pretext to it in Matthew 10 verse 28. And just kind of a heads up, I will be preaching out of Matthew chapter 10 next week. But I only pick one verse out of it this week to start the series for the next several weeks called Wise as Serpents, Harmless as Doves. Wise as Serpents, Harmless as Doves. Matthew 10 verse 28 says this. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. And he says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, this is not a fire and brimstone, but the truth is the truth. And I want to say before we get into this about the fear of the Lord, I know we emphasize the fear of the Lord we, 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 we do everything we can to bend over backwards to tell people that, now, don't be fearful, fearful. This is a holy, awesome reverence. And it is. But let's not get it mistaken. When the day of the Lord comes, it's going to be terrifying. The awesome might and power of God is a frightful thing. It is. And when we think about all the things in this life that evoke fear from us, things and people that are scary people and scary things that we are tempted to be afraid of, this is telling me, hey, there may be things in the world that will make you scared. But the worst thing that can be done to you by someone in this world is they can take your life. But there is something more fearful. Hell is more fearful than anything. People say there's hell on earth. No, no. Hell is a place of eternal torment, eternal separation from God. As bad as things can get in this world, it does not compare to an eternity in hell. 
And this is not a shout you down kind of sermon. But it's all right as long as you're listening. As long as you embrace this. So he says, fear not those that can kill the soul. And as I'll get into next week, he's telling them about going out and propagating the gospel. And there's going to be resistance. There's going to be threatenings. You're going to be put into some situations that are terrifying. But don't, don't let your fears control you. Don't fear those who can kill the soul, who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him, God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Which brings us to 2 Corinthians 5, starting at the 11th verse, is where I'll start today. And it says here, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Think about that statement. We know God. We know the salvation of the Lord. We know that at a future date, the day of the Lord is coming. And at the judgment seat of Christ, everyone will give an account. At the great white throne judgment, you don't want to be at that one. Because that is the judgment that all who did not receive the gift of salvation in Christ will be at that great white throne judgment. And that's not a day for the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. It is the judgment of God. And that judgment is an eternal judgment. And let's just be real about that. The truth is the truth. Knowing the fear of the Lord. We persuade others. We always have to be mindful of what it is that's motivating us. Why is it that we do what we do? What are our convictions based on? When we engage and encounter others, uh, particularly those who are not of the faith, when we're engaging them, what is the motivating factor that drives us? And it's interesting to me in this one little verse, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. That's what he mentions. Notice he, here that, he, that the motivation is not to, to win a culture war. The motivation is not to win ideological arguments. It's not even to feel better about ourselves. Knowing the fear of the Lord. There is something beyond our crises and our fears and all of our arguments and debates and our affiliations. Let's, let us not forget that this moment is but a vapor in time. There is this, this thread of eternity that uh, in time that existed way before us and will continue well beyond us. And all the things that we think are so important that we get all twisted in knots about, there is one who has seen the end from the beginning. There is the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. There is one 
who is not worried or who is not without answers. He is not worried about anything. There is nothing that takes God by surprise, and he is more than enough to handle anything. And as a matter of fact, heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word shall not pass away. It will last forever. Are you hearing me? So when he says, don't fear, when he says, don't worry, We ought to take him to heart because he knows what he's talking about. When Jesus says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but I delivered them out of them all. See, that tells us our afflictions, we can get lost in them and get stuck in them, or we can continue full of faith, knowing that our God is a deliverer. Our God has already made a way of escape. All we got to do is lean into him, make sure that we're being led by his spirit. (laughs) That's all right. Praise the Lord. And I know I've already talked a lot for just one verse. Don't worry, we'll get, we'll speed it up here a little bit. When he says here, What he says here is, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Persuade others about what? Uh, To me, it's simple. Persuade others that the Bible is truly the word of God. And that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way to be reconciled to God. Hmm? The good news. The gospel. Right? We... We, we, we don't do it for our own personal reasons. We do it because we know the fear of the Lord. And we know the heart of God is that none should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. Knowing the fear of the Lord should make us, you and I, want to persuade others to fear the Lord also. Let our motivation for persuading people be so that they might enter into the salvation of the Lord and be counted among the redeemed of the Lord when they appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You want to appear, everybody's going to appear before God to give an account of what we did in our bodies. But there is one that's going to have the believers at it. And it ain't, our salvation is not going to be on the line, but that which, we're, that which we've done on this earth will be tried by fire. And that which had the right motivation, that which glorified God will remain. Are you hearing me? I'm not so terrified at the thought of that judgment as I imagine it will be for those who don't know Christ who don't approach that, the, 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 the Lord on the day of the great right throne judgment, there will not be the blood of Christ covering them.
And that is a scary thought to me. It's a scary thought for my loved ones that don't know the Lord. It's a scary thought for my friends who don't know the Lord. Because the day of the Lord is certainly coming. And they don't fear him today. But my prayer is that someone will get through. If, even if that someone is not me, that someone will get through. And they will come to fear the Lord through faith in Christ Jesus now in this lifetime while there is still time. And I am confident that every one of you have some people who are who you are concerned about in that way as well. People you care about people who mean something to you that you know, if their number is called today, there'll be great uh, grief and great sadness. Because you know what their eternity will be. And if you haven't been thinking along those lines, I'm happy to be used of God to, to, to awaken you to that mindset. You're not called to save the world, but you are called to make a difference in the lives of those whom you can. So, the fear of the Lord. Let's go on. After saying, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God. And I hope it is known also to your conscience. We're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We, re we regard him thus no longer. So we're talking about two motivating factors here. And for those of you who are here for the first time, uh, <laughs> It is surely my fault that I did not welcome you as I grabbed the mic this morning. I do want to, uh, to welcome you here to New Covenant Fellowship, and we appreciate that you're fellowshipping with us this morning. And uh, I pray to have the opportunity to get to know you a little bit more. 
We've been talking about being a disciple so far this year, disciples of the Lord. And I felt led to deal with our um, deal with our motivation. What should that motivation be? What should that driving thing be that would propel us to share the gospel? Which is an uncomfortable thing. It probably shouldn't be, but it is. You get out there and witness and or you get out there and you share your faith. Not everybody wants to hear that in the moment. Sometimes you want to share it, but people aren't wanting to hear it in the moment. It's the thing they need, but not the thing that they want. And you can't make people want what they don't want. But you'd be surprised if we're diligent and if we have the right approach, the right heart, the opportunities that God opens up for us. Wise as serpents. We're going to need to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. So I talked about the fear of the Lord at the beginning. And as we go through this passage, we just saw about the love of Christ. He said in verse 11, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Then he comes down in verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us or compels us. So it's the fear of the Lord and the love of Christ that is motivating their interactions and engagements with others. All of our interactions with those who are outside the church should also be motivated by the fear of the love, or fear of the Lord and the love of Christ. Let's go on and let him finish that thought out about the depth that gives us a glimpse as to the depth of the love of Christ for this world. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We'll get back to that in a sec. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. He made him to be sin, him who knew no sin, he made him to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
It said earlier in the passage that Christ died for all. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever should believe on him should not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 5.8 tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. It Sometimes it, it kind of gets lost a little bit after we've been walking with the Lord for a long time. But God sent his son to die for us while the whole world was ungodly. The spirit of the living God led you to the revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Led you to the point of coming to faith in him. And while he was doing it, you were ungodly. I was ungodly. It's amazing when I looked back over my life and my testimony of how I came to Christ. And when he revealed to me all the ways he was working in my life when Honoring and pleasing God was the last thing on my mind. I'm just speaking the truth. And yet, his love, his grace, his mercy, he wooed this ungodly young man who God was an afterthought for. He was working. This hurting boy, this wounded boy, this boy had his own plans about how he was going to fix everything that was broken and everything was wrong and, and felt like God had abandoned the God that his grandmother prayed to, the God that his grandmother professed had let us down. And yet he was at work in my life the entire time. And he proved himself faithful. I didn't see his faithfulness all those days my grandmother proclaimed him to be faithful. But the truth was that he was faithful. My, my unfortunate circumstances notwithstanding, <laughs> the hurt and pain of the things I went through notwithstanding, I thought God was an absentee God, but he was present in every one of those times and moments and places in my life. And I pray that you will be able to see the presence of God in your most difficult, your most painful moments in your history in your life. Because I guarantee you he was there. And but for the grace of God, it might have got the best of you. And you might be wounded now and you might be walking with a limp There may be a thorn in your side. There may be some battle scars left over from it. But you did not perish. And God gave you the ability to endure. He gave you the ability to walk through it. And you got scars to sow for it. But you came out on the other side. And there may still be some healing that needs to happen. 
He's here for you to do exactly that. It would have been great if you didn't have to go through what you went through. And who knows, but God himself, why you went through it. Maybe there's divine purpose. You've heard me say before, Joseph in the Old Testament, one of my favorite stories, I'm sure there were many nights he didn't see the purpose of being sold into slavery. He didn't see the purpose of being going to Egypt. He didn't see any of that. How does this fit into the dream God gave me? But yet he was exactly where he needed to be. In order for the dream to come to pass, he had to end up, he had to end up in Egypt. Who knows how many different ways that could have happened, but it happened the way that it happened. And finding himself in Egypt, he honored God there. As things seemed to get from bad to worse, he honored God still. And God, it got so bad, he went from servant to prisoner. Hadn't done a thing wrong. And yet it was in the prison. It was from the prison that God elevated him to the second man in charge. And then the dream comes to pass and millions of lives are saved through him. And he saw the purpose in it. He so saw the purpose in it that when his brothers who subjected him to such cruelty came to him, he was able to forgive them and say, you know what? No, y'all didn't do this. God did it. He was able to forgive them. God did it. And I know why God did it. I, I, I didn't know before, but now I know why God did it, so that he might save many people. And I wish I didn't have to go through what I went through, but having gone through it, I now see God's purpose in it because God can use me in a way that he probably couldn't anymore. You know, I have a sensitivity to people who are hurting, a sensitivity to people who are going through things that's well-earned. Having gone through what I'm able to go through, having gone through what I went through, God gives me ability to relate from a from a deep place and help people work through their own hurts, their own pains, their own difficult, their own traumatic experiences. And now that God uses me that way, the pain of what I, gone, what I had to go through to get to this point doesn't hurt so much. It still hurt back then. It doesn't hurt so much because, okay, God, what you've worked in me, you've healed me, what I've gone through has prepared me to be able to be used by you to make a difference and impact people's lives. And if we can see it that way, 
You know, make sure our motivation, we're, we're always able to walk in the fear of the Lord. Remembering the love of Christ and how he did a work in our lives can remember us to let that be the thing that, that controls us or compels us. When we're dealing with people who are, on, who are on this dark side that we used to be on before Jesus made himself real to us. I, I hope you're hearing me today. Because we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And that's just not reconciliating relationships amongst you and I, you know, human to human. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation to let a lost world know that God wants to be reconciled with them. That it's okay that you're not in church yet. Christ died for the ungodly. You might be ungodly right now, but the love of Christ can meet you right where you're at. He loves you so much that he died for you. You don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. God knows what you've done, and his son still loves you. His blood is still available for you to cover you and to wash you whiter than snow. So let the fear of the Lord and the love of Christ motivate us to overcome whatever fears, whatever intimidation, that we might struggle with, whatever reactions we think, we think people might have, whatever thoughts or feelings we think people might have toward us if, if, if we get a little overly diligent about propagating the gospel and sharing our, the, the testimony of what God has done for us. Yeah, there'll be those who will be absolute jerks about it. But that's nothing for you to fear. You give the testimony of what God has done for you. And you let the people you tell it to make their own decision. You share the gospel of who Christ Jesus is and what he's done for, for us. The sal- tell them of the salvation of the Lord. Give them the gospel. Then you've done what God has called you to do. They are responsible for their response. And I will tell you, don't get lost. Everyone loves the opportunity to be the one to lead someone to the Lord. But I'll remind you of the scripture where Paul says, one waters, one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. Hey, you plant in the life of the person that God, when God tells you to plant, plant. When God tells you to water, water. The increase will happen when it happens. You work the field, the field is white for harvest. You go out there, you work the field. The harvest happens when it happens. And there will be times when you've done the heavy lifting and someone else reaps the harvest. 
But there will also be times when someone else did the heavy lifting and you will have the blessed honor of reaping the harvest. It's okay. What matters is that we're faithful to God. Because whatever harvest is reaped belongs to him anyway. They're not ours, they're his. Amen? So let's be faithful to him as we work his harvest. And let's be faithful not only in our actions, but let's be faithful to him in our attitude and in our perspective. We're not better than anyone. We're redeemed. And as we said last, as as, as I said last year, last week, the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's all he's asking us to do. Say, Say it. You're redeemed? Well, tell somebody about it. Share it. Bless somebody with that good news. But it says here in verse 18 that God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He reconciled us to himself. He reconciled us to himself. We didn't reconcile with God. He reconciled us to himself. See, this isn't just about telling people, this isn't about moralism. You know, it's not just about behavior modification. This is about becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. Right? We, we could be citizens that have never broken the law, help old ladies across the street every chance we get, always stop for the stranger with a flat tire to help them change the tire, Never have a bad word to say about somebody, but if we have not been reconciled to Christ, we are still eternal, uh, 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 we're still headed for eternal damnation because we can't modify behavior or be moral enough to reconcile with God. That's why it was necessary for Christ to become the Son of Man and die on the cross in our place. We could not do it. We could not be holy. We could not be righteous enough to be acceptable to God because of the stain of sin. But Jesus could and Jesus did. And representing us, he went to the cross on our behalf and conquered Sin and death. And because of what he's done for us, the gift of salvation, that's why it's a gift, the gift of salvation is available to us. We don't have to earn it. We couldn't. Jesus paid the price. And it is through Jesus 
and him conquering the cross, him conquering sin, him conquering death. The fact that he not only died, but rose on the third day, proving who he is. What he did on that cross is why we're standing or sitting, in y'all's case, in this place redeemed today. And I tell you what, that's hope for somebody who's walking in darkness right now. That's hope for somebody who, who feels like they have screwed it up so badly that there is no way they can make it right. They need to know that there's a God in heaven who made it right for them in Christ Jesus. They need to know there's hope. They need to know that there's good news. That in Jesus Christ, there is salvation. And that that God in heaven who sent his only begotten son wants to be reconciled with us so much that he made salvation not something that we could earn, but he made it a gift that we need only receive. That's how good God is. And he gave us this ministry. <laughs> Are you hearing me? He reconciled us to Jesus Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation to let people know, right? God has made the way for you to be reconciled with him. We're his ambassadors. As it says in verse 20, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled with God, knowing the fear of God and being controlled by the love of Christ. We implore you to be reconciled to God. Because for our sake, he made Christ sin, even though he knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, bottom line, I'm not going to keep repeating myself, bottom line, when we engage people outside of the faith, let's remember why we believe what we believe. Let's remember to consider what our motivation, what's driving us in this interaction. What is my motivation for sharing my faith? What is my motivation for sharing the gospel? And we need to know this so that you have a framework to operate from. If you know what your motivation is, then you can tell when you're veering off of it and getting in the flesh. And all of a sudden you're in an argument that you're trying to win rather than trying to win a soul for the Lord. All of a sudden we're trying to defend something. All of a sudden we're, you know, all of a sudden it becomes a, a, a conflict unnecessarily. 
Make sure that you are honoring God, not just in deed, but from the heart. I can't emphasize that enough because you are an ambassador for the Lord. You know, when a president, when a U.S. president sends an ambassador to another nation, that ambassador doesn't get to wing it. The president doesn't just send the ambassador over there and say, hey, go work something out. Do your best. I'm sure you'll think of something. No, there is a policy that that ambassador is championing. There is an initiative that's been given by his, his or her authority, and they go there to advance that, that mission. We are God's ambassadors. He sent us with a mission, and we're not to deviate from that mission. We know his policy, we know his heart, we know what he's commanded us to do, and it is our duty and our objective to represent him the way he wants us to represent him. Are you hearing me? Not only in deed, but in our heart, in our attitude, towards those, even towards those who don't know him. They're enemies of God, but Weren't we before we got saved? They're enemies of God, but wasn't everyone before Jesus went to the cross? God knows they're enemies of his right now, but that doesn't change the fact that he loves them. And he wants to be reconciled to them. And you and I are the ambassadors who he has entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. And so I'll just say, everybody, just step up to the plate. Step into your ambassadorship. And be among those who are embracing their role, their ministry of reconciliation, full force. I'm going to finish with a verse I just uh, added this morning. It, was just, it just hit my heart. It's a very familiar passage for some. Romans 1, starting at the 14th verse, and then I will, I will close with this. And observe the mindset of Paul when it comes to ministering. He says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians. So, hey, you can be educated and wise or, or you can be animalistic in behavior. So I'm under obligation to both, uh, to both types, both to the wise and to the foolish. See, it's not about what spectrum or what group you belong to, what spectrum you're in. You could be wild and crazy. You could be timid and very conservative in nature. You could be well-educated. You could have no education at all. You could be wise. You could be foolish. 
He says, I'm obligated to them all. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Some of y'all might remember the things he suffered in Rome. But he's eager to preach the gospel to them. Why? For or because I am not ashamed of the gospel. There are some things that he endured that could be considered shameful. Things he suffered as he went to advance the gospel. There were lies about his reputation. Things that were were difficult to overcome. People questioned his sanity because of what he was preaching. He said, but you know what? I don't care about that. The gospel is worth it. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And this reconciliation with God can only happen by faith. People need to know this gift, this seemingly too good to be true gift is attainable for you despite all the things you've done, all the things you've experienced, all the places you've been, the seemingly too good to be true gospel is attainable to you. It's able to be received by you by grace through faith. God loves you so much, he's gifting it to you. And all it takes is to receive it by faith. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is God good? Yes. Hallelujah. God is good. I'm going to ask the elder couples to come. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back over the worship songs. that we're saying this morning. And I just trust that God leads our worship team. The songs that uh, that they pick, I believe, are inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I believe they speak to a need. All the lyrics are running all through my mind right now. They're all jumbled. and I just want to have a time of prayer. Maybe God spoke to you this morning. And even as the worship was going forth, there was something... It it touched a nerve. There's something you're going through in life. There's a concern or a worry about a loved one in your family or an unresolved issue 
in your life. And it's time for you to bring it to God. And let him show himself to be the deliverer, the healer, the savior that we know him to be. So I'm not going to name prayer needs today. Or, you know, I just feel like you know who you are and you know what your need is and, and what you want to bring to the Lord. If you need prayer today for any reason, I want you to find one of these people behind me. Just let us minister to you. You feel free to do that now.